Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. You're listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast, a sample of the best pro wrestling podcasts we can produce on our tiny budget. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, CastBox, and all other podcast platforms. If it's wrestling you want, check out more of our great content at podmania.co.uk. Let's do this. Welcome to another episode of the Pod Mania Podcast, the wrestling classic, the show where we each pick one match to review and then come together and discuss the matches and tell each other how we were wrong to select those matches. Obviously, it is the run-up to WrestleMania, so we've each picked a WrestleMania match from WrestleManias of old to review in this segment. I'm joined by Garth and Chris. As always, how are we, lads? Good. Good. Fine. Been attacked by seven-year-old all day, but apart from that, that's not what I thought you were going to say. Then, <laughs> <laughs> that's. Are you on edge after last week? Well, yeah, I'm. I'm very on edge after your performance last week. <laughs> but, ladies and gentlemen, as our podcasts are usually touching two hours, which is a lot of wrestling to digest, we've decided to make the wrestling classic a separate thing, uh, just to try and keep it into a bite-sized chunk. So, ideally between half an hour and 40 minutes. Isn't that right, Chris? <laughs> thing is, the last time this segment went half an hour, and it was Gar's fault, because he went on about Hulkamania for so long. Well, th- to be perfectly honest, I've got a little bit of a rant about Hulkamania anyway, and then my next selection for the Wrestling Classic is another Hulk Hogan match. So anyway, we'll go into that in a minute. Um, what we'll do is we'll go through... Match by match, uh, give our ratings, our star ratings, and then you'll be able to find those on the website later on tonight. Um, and yeah, let's delve straight in. So we'll start with Goth. Let's start with you. So just to fill everyone in, uh, you chose a match from WrestleMania 21. Is that correct? Yep. From yep. WrestleMania um, goes to Hollywood. Yeah, the the Hollywood rendition, the the best opening package of a WrestleMania I think ever. Yeah. Um, and yet a great. absolutely <laughs> outstanding. Uh, from LA, California, April third, two thousand and five. Garth, what match did you pick and why? The first ever Money in the Bank match. Okay, so that was the Money in the Bank Lana match that contained Chris Jericho, the originator of the match, and yet somehow bafflingly yet to win one. Uh, Chris Benoit, Christian, Shelton Benjamin, Edge, and Kane. Now, first things first, before we go into this match, which was, I think we can all agree, a fantastic match. Uh, They got a lot in in 16 minutes. Um, Do you think that Money in the Bank was better in WrestleMania? Or do you think it's better now it's got its own pay-per-view? I think, I think we mo- the- Sorry, go on. Uh, I think it's just... It was a novelty then, and it was up until they gave it its own thing, and now they've diluted it so much. Um, it doesn't have the same impact. And the, obviously, every time they have to try and sort of one-up 
than the past one. But I think it was, I think it was mostly because it was new. This one holds so much sort of reverence. Chris? Because, okay, the thing is about it, it lost more star power than went on. It became a way to put like mid carders on here. Where it's, look at here, these were all championship contenders at some point during the last year. Um, whereas, like, you get to the last one at Mania, had fucking Jack Swagger winning it with like Kane was in like three in a row when he wasn't just when he was just drifting about. Yeah. Um, so, like, I think if it gets more star power, I'm fine with it having its own bit. But at the same time, there's no alternative on the Mania card to get more people on. So. Yeah, I mean, I I personally preferred it at Mania. It it was a special match to have, um, and I don't think you know it's the Money in the Bank ladder matches have always been good to watch. They've always been enjoyable, but as pay per views, you know, there's been the odd good match on the card. You know, John Cena versus CM Punk at 2011. In fact, um, 2011 that pay per view was an all time classic. It, it was a good show. I think it was. It, I think it was mainly about that match. Um, You've also got John Cena versus AJ Styles. That was a good match. Rollins versus Reigns was pretty good from 2016. Cena versus Owens. Yeah, Cena versus Owens. But there's never been a pay-per-view where top to bottom you've gone, that, that was fucking brilliant. And especially as they're sort of pushing money in the bank as one of their big, you know, in inverted commas, their big five. Um, I just, well, saying that, look at Survivor Series. It's only in the last two years that Survivor Series has been relevant again. Um, I just, I, I, I preferred it on WrestleMania. Now, I understand that WrestleMania, you know, this year, it looks like it's going to be about 23 hours long. So <laughs> adding a Money in the Bank ladder match as well probably wouldn't be the best thing. But I don't know. I preferred it when... I'd rather see the, I'd rather see this than the stupid Battle Royale. I enjoy the Battle Royale, so I just wish those, the people who won them would go somewhere. Even, even just have a push. Just having a push would be great. I mean, if you look at the winners, who has had a push? Matt Hardy, he won the tag Baron, titles. Uh, ba- Baron Corbin is one of the biggest stars on Raw right now. You use the word star and Baron Corbin in the same <laughs> sentence without being ironic there. Um, anyway, we're already in danger of going off topic. Um, Garth, seeing as this was your pick, um, do you yeah. want to sort of give us a rundown of your favourite bits and yeah, yeah. why you chose it? You know, that kind just, of thing. The, well, straight off the bat, watching all the intros of these sort of legends coming down the ring was great. Like, especially seeing um, Christian come down with Tyson Tomko, <laughs> who I completely <laughs> forgot. Former IWGP tag team champion. Yeah. And then obviously Shelton Benjamin. I, I forgot Shelton was in this match, to be fair. I thought it was the next one that he was in. And then obviously Edge comes out and then King comes down and everybody just sprints to chin him. <laughs> and he just takes them all out. I love that. Um, there's obviously there's I mean there's so many spots it's it's difficult to sort of pin them down to the the best ones but just a few sort of the one where sort of Jericho Jericho works the ladder in this match better than anybody he's got an idea for it every time he picks it up or every time he moves it into position um, especially where he smashes smashes in uh, Benoit's face um, and basically sends him out of the match. Yeah, um, you had sort of Kane again uh, smashing Benoit over, all over the place, um, and, and Edge going face first into the ladder. And this was sort of the the thing about this is it was the first time we'd seen ladders used like this for a long time. The ladders had just been used sort of 
as props, but in this match, they're used as sort of secondary competitors. And that's what I loved about it, sort of the, the whole like scramble to get ladders and things like that. That, that was the sort of the frenetic sort of pace of it all. There was a lot of intelligent wrestling from wrestlers yeah. in this match. You know, you've got Kane, uh, after he got out of the crossface from Benoit, um, he started putting his ladder in, sorry, his arm inside the ladder and ramming it so that Benoit mm. couldn't use the crossface anymore. Um, not that the crossface was a relevant move in this match anyway, but, you know, it's it's one of Benoit's biggest things, so, you know, take that out. You know, every single person in this match, with the with the exception of Kane, took absolutely terrifying bumps in this match. And I think the unpredictableness of ladders, you know, it, they are notoriously unpredictable. Look what happened to CM Punk when he ended up with about 15 staples in the back of his head. Um, mm. I think that adds to it, certainly. And, you know, we talked about this briefly before we came on air. Um, these were all big-ish stars. You know, Edge hadn't really hit his potential yet, but Kane, Chris Jericho, Chris Benoit, they'd all been champions. And I, I think, think everyone the star in, sorry, power was good. Everyone in this match was either a championship contender the year before or did compete for the title in the year preceding. Like, Edge, Christian, and um, Jericho all went for ta- the world title in the next year or so. Yeah. Afterwards. I think Shelton. also... Sorry. You brought up Chris Jericho. He's the most underrated ladder match participant in all time because, like... Three immediately come to mind. His one with Benoit hit this, and his one with Michaels, all of which are like 10 out of 10 classics. Yeah. The one at No Way Out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great match. Great I stuff. Mean, Shelton Benjamin gets like his stuff in on this, and this this match, and then when he was in the, the sort of preceding matches, these seem to be his sort of specialist masters. That's the thing, because he doesn't need to like be a compelling, charismatic person. He just needs to take stupid bumps. Yeah. He does that thing where he runs up the ladder and does a sort of clothesline um, on Jericho. Um, I mean, they both go absolutely flying. And it's just... I remember watching that at the time, and literally I was up out of my seat. Just never seen anything like it. What I find quite interesting is here... Um, I was watching a video not so long ago on SummerSlam... I think it was 1995, the second instalment of Michaels versus Razor Ramon and Uh the ladder match and how they were told basically the night before, you're not allowed to... We've had word from the the pay-per-view company, you're not allowed to use the ladder as a weapon. And it sort of kiboshed the entire match that they got planned and they had to re... You know, they had to redo it all and basically Triple H came to them and said, yeah, but you can still jump off it. Yeah. and stuff like that. Um, and it was just, it was looking at that back in 1995, and then this, a decade later, and they were literally beating the living piss out of each other it's, with this ladder. This is an absolute miracle we're doing a Joey Mercury situation. Yeah. Oh, God, we nearly absolutely. Did, we nearly did with um, Benoit at one point. Well, yeah, true. I mean, Benoit, Chris, you said before we came on, Benoit didn't exactly do a lot. And, you know, offense-wise, apart from his brief interaction with Kane and, you know, bits and bobs with, you know, Edge and Jericho, um, he took an absolutely horrendous bump from the top of the ladder. And it's it's an image that basically stays with me from this match. And it's him holding his arm, screaming after Mm -hmm. he's come off the ladder. And you can tell that's not a work. That is genuine fucking agony. And the Um, bit where he um, comes off with the diving headbutt and he's 
splits his head open. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. It's so uncomfortable watching that stuff in hindsight. Yeah. It is, but I will just say that the camera work during that spot is brilliant. The wide shot of it is just, it's such good camera. It's very underrated, that shot. Um, Do we think the correct person won in hindsight? Look what happened to Edge going forward, how much this did for him. Yeah, Yeah, I think so. Like, who would, who could, no one could have gained more from this. Well, you got that whole. Um, ultimate opportunist moniker from this, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. And then Matt Hardy, he cheated on, um, Lisa cheated on with Matt Hardy and he was fucking sad. <laughs> I mean, to be perfect, and you look, you know, even aside from the fact that he became possibly the biggest heel in the company when uh, when he started his affair with Lita, you know, not just that, his cash-in was one of the most iconic moments of this period in WWE. You know, the fact that, you know, Vince McMahon came out, you know, he we had this almost official handing over of the briefcase and him then attacking John Cena. It I really, really enjoyed that. And, you know, I know we're not going to have that all the time now, but I really genuinely did enjoy that yeah. cashing. So, what... Meltzer gave this four and a half stars. Um, Garth, what would you give it? I'd give it... Uh, 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10? Okay. Yeah. Chris? I'd give it an 8. It's sort of impossible to get a 10 in this sort of match because it is just a spot fest. Unless it's, you know, NXT TakeOver New Orleans. Um, uh, yeah. But... <laughs> which is almost the exact same match. Um, yeah, I'm happy with 8, to be perfectly honest. Um, like you say, it is a spot fest. There's not... There was... Whereas, you know, my choice and Chris's choice have got a lot more story going in. This is obviously more about the opportunity that they get to win this match. There's no story really going in. It's just six guys beating the living shit out of each other with a ladder, which is, you know, nevertheless, extremely yes. good fun. And it is it is one of the better Money in the Bank ladder matches. Um, I think it's probably up there as one of the best, if not the best. Yeah, definitely. Um, Could be angered. Yeah, so excellent. Good choice. Good choice, Garth. Um, we'll go on to Chris's choice now. Um, and Ooh. Chris, you've gone for a choice from WrestleMania 13, uh, from March 23rd, 1997, from the Rosemont Horizon Arena in Illinois. Um, now you can probably guess, as it's from WrestleMania 13, what yes, Undertaker was. Yes, Undertaker said. No. <laughs> <laughs> it was the Chicago Street Fight between Ahmed Johnson, the Legion of Doom, and the Nation of Domination. <laughs> Apparently, Armand Johnson stole the spikes from the Legion of Doom. Like yes. he just nicked them. There are a couple of contrasting stories as to what happened with that, but uh, yeah, that if that you know, if you're to believe that, I mean, just quickly, I mean, Chris, do you just want to quickly introduce your match and then I'll uh, I'll sort of elaborate on it. Uh, it's Steve Austin versus Bret Hitman. Huh? I don't really need to say much. Everyone's fucking seen it. It's probably the best match in Mania history, maybe. Um, I think it's in the top five, definitely. Yeah. Um, I mean, did this... you guys do a list about this one time? We did, we did, Actually, and this yeah. was, I think, this might have been number one. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's definitely up there. It's definitely up there. It's, it was the best match in Mania. Definitely at this point, it was the best match that WrestleMania had produced, yeah. um, with the exception of potentially Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon from 10. Um, but 
this match was made so much better by the fact that this pay-per-view, which you can see a full write-up of on the website, um, this pay-per-view was was terrible. I mean, this <laughs> without without Brett and Stone Cold Steve Austin, this was a very very poor mania. Just to give you an indication of how poor this mania was, this is the rem- this is the rest of the card. Okay, you ready? There was a four-way elimination match to crown the new number one contenders for the tag titles. Now, even the commentary team couldn't get their heads around the rules for this match and kept fucking it up. And that was between the headbangers, Doug Furness and Phil Lafon, the Godwins, and the new Blackjacks. Right? That yeah. was your opening match. <laughs> this was followed by Rocky Maivia versus The Sultan for the Intercontinental Championship, which ended with The Rock's dad beating up the Sultan. <laughs> we then had another installment of Triple H versus Goldust, which was actually okay, it just went a bit long. We'd then got Owen Hart and the British Bulldog taking on Mankind and Vader. Mankind and Vader were just thrown together as a team. There was very little storyline based on this, and it ended in a double count-out, which made no sense. We then had that Chicago street fight, which went nine minutes and was just fucking chaos. Um, and then we had The Undertaker defeating Psycho Sid in the world's slowest main event. I mean, you look at that pay-per-view, and without Brett and Steve Austin, not one match got above three and a quarter stars from Meltzer. No. And it was a, it was a bang average show. It was two and a half hours, and it was a fucking trek to get through it. Yeah, it was cool. So, thank God for this match. I'm going to start off just very, very quickly by by asking you, what did you think of the swimming costume that Ken Shamrock was wearing? <laughs> what the living the fuck was boy. that? What was the point in that? Let's put him in a cycling shirt and cycling shorts to, make, to just emphasise all those muscles he's got. It was like, this is... The stupidest thing. He didn't he even get like my uncle John. He looks like your uncle John. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of a fucking statement is that? <laughs> he looks like my uncle John. Um, okay, so anyway, Uncle John was the special guest referee in this match, and he was supposed to be this enforcer to make sure that things didn't kick off. Bret Hart had. He was sort of in the process of turning heel. It wasn't explicit because during the entrances, his pop was astronomical. It was so weird seeing Stone Cold Steve Austin walk in to, you know, fanfare certainly, but nowhere near the reaction that he would get, you know, even at the end of this match. And Bret Hart come into this, you know, this unbelievable pop. The only the only bigger pop on the night was the Legion of Doom, and that was only because they were from Chicago. Um, but I would argue the best double turn... In wrestling, yeah. well, there's none better. Like the only other one that comes to mind is fucking Ziggler and Del Rio. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Wow. The Rock and Hogan doesn't count at all. No, that doesn't count because that was not planned. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's still part of it. But I still think I still think this. It was so beautifully executed. You know, Bret Hart was yeah. made to be. You know, was made to look like an absolute cynical bastard. And he was just made to look such a clinical person, just focusing constantly on Steve Austin's, you know, on his knee. They hit each other with everything that wasn't nailed down. You know, they used ring bells. They used the chairs. They used the ring posts. They used the stairs. They used, you know, electricity cables. 
it was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. Also, I would argue, best blade job in history. Yeah, well, the that fact was, that, uh, that was he didn't the thing, even wasn't get it? Time for it? Because um, the day Brett had convinced Vince that it was legit mm-hmm. because of the no. trouble that um, someone had been done just previously. No, he's done that before at WrestleMania Eight. Um, he did a blade job against Piper and yeah. managed to convince. He's very really good. He's really good at getting blades in and out without being seen. Yeah. Well. <laughs> this sort he do, of... he do great in prison. Yeah. Mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> sort of linking in with my match later, which you know, even a person who has never watched wrestling will be able to pick up the blade job in the match that I show in the match that oh, I yeah, chose. Fucking um, nasty. But here, it was done with such precision. It was done so quickly that you, if you weren't specifically looking for it, there was no way you could pick it up. No way at all. And the speed with nah. which Brett sends him into the barricade and the fact that he ends up going over the top of the timekeeper, you know, ending up knocking them to the floor. And it just, it looked just like chaos in that corner. So there's no way anybody would be able to pick it up. And I believe in Brett's book, he actually says, Steve, during the match, was saying, I don't know if we should do this. I don't know if we should do this. And Brett had to persuade him to do it. <laughs> um, and then, you know, we get that iconic moment of Steve Austin locked in the sharpshooter wearing this crimson mask just screaming in agony it's it's yeah. such a good shot it's a just everything about this match I mean if you were in that crowd in Chicago and you've had to sit through Rocky Maivia versus the Sultan you know <laughs> the headbangers versus the new blackjacks and then you get this piece of just wrestling gold you know, I'm not surprised that they were hot for it. Within two minutes, they were in the crowd hitting each other with beer cups. It was so brilliant. Good. It was brilliant. Um, Chris, as this is your match, do you want to give us a little bit of a rundown of what you think? Well, it's like kind of just the best. You've said it all, really. It's just fucking amazing. I was going to bring up the blade job stuff, but then you did it. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Chris. <laughs> No, it's really, really good, and obviously, and it's amazing how we got to from A to B because Austin actually won the Rumble last year, but we took him out the main event because apparently Cycle Sid versus Taker was the better option. Um, <laughs> no, imagine if like between then and now they got the title on Brett, and then this was the main event for the title. Jesus Christ! But yeah, just amazing stuff, and like I'm not normally into like brutal sort of a lot of outside brawling stuff but they they bring you in here this wouldn't be out of place in today's world which is the best compliment you can give a match that's more than 20 years old yeah this was this was a blood feud how blood feud should work you weren't overexposed <laughs> with it in the weekly television programs leading up to it they weren't doing wrestling moves they weren't there was literally no technical wrestling apart from Brett attempting the sharpshooter. You know, no, that's the thing. Apart from when Brett was was doing it, and that's what Brett's good at, so it makes sense that Brett would be doing it. Whereas Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins doing fucking hold up, um, lockups. No. Yeah, I mean Austin it's... attacking before the bell. Straight away, it was obvious these two had no interest in technical wrestling. It was just a case of we're no. going to brawl, we're going to beat the piss out of each other. And we're gonna make sure that we hurt each other. And you did believe it. 
you know, this is from 1997. This is 22 years old. And even so, Chris, you've hit the nail on the head there by saying this could slip into any wrestling show now. It's the, the boil, like the sort of build before it was so good as well because it was, it was a sort of simmering boil. It wasn't them shouting at each other on promos. It was Austin maybe making a schneid remark and then Brett just sort of shrugging it off but then him finally saying, right, okay, let's fucking do this. I don't know if it was in the this, this build-up or the build-up to the Survivor Series match when he just went, you put the letter S in front of hit, man, and you get exactly... It's like a great way of swearing about swearing on the, at the time PG product. Great stuff, Steve. Whereas Brett just went all out and said, this is bullshit. Um, <laughs> I did not hit him. I did not. I love the, I love the bit where they went into the crowd and you could see Ken Shamrock getting more and more wound up with the crowd. There was, I started, like proper grabbing their faces and pushing them to the ground. I think my favourite moment was as they were being led back from the crowd into uh, back into you know the ringside area. Um, you've got Ken Shamrock leading the way, literally elbowing people out of the way. Steve Austin <laughs> with his hand on Ken Shamrock's back and Brett holding on to Austin's back in some kind of weird yeah. conga line <laughs> back <laughs> from the stairs. Don't let go or I'll lose you. Um... Do you know what though? I think this proves how, how I think this proves how snarky we are because even in this all-time classic, we're founding things to poke fun at. Do you know what though? Genuinely, we're doing this just because the were you know it's more age and you know I, I can't take Ken Shamrock seriously in that fucking spandex. So <laughs> I feel like I can rip the piss out of him. But you're absolutely right. The the build up to this was fantastic. We talked a lot a couple of weeks ago about organic heel turns and organic face turns. And this was just the epitome of that to turn Brett heel after he'd come back and seen that the wrestling federation had changed and that people had changed. And, you know, he was basically coming across as a, basically a whiny bitch, which is what Steve Austin called him out for. And it, it just worked so organically. You know, they had to have the final four pay-per-view after Sean lost his smile, which me and Garth, reviewed last year actually that was the that was the uh, the pay-per-view previewing uh, previewing preceding wrestlemania 13 yeah. um and it it just worked everything this it match just, worked it's the fact that brett was forced to sort of fight the match in a way that he wouldn't normally um and he just you just see this sort of vicious side come out and obviously that's where the heel turn comes in because he starts using the bell the chair quite a lot where he's smashing um he must hit Austin with that chair about 15 times. I'll tell you what, though. Austin, when he hits Brett off the top rope and then hits him on the back, he does not hold back. Oh, Fucking no. hell. Absolutely clatters him with it. The best but, thing about the whole thing is, obviously, like the, like the match finishes, Austin passes out, Bret Hart's going mental, and he just sort of walks away. And... Austin gets up and then just gives fucking Shamrock a stunner. <laughs> it's not It's not Shamrock. I thought it was Shamrock the first time I watched it. It's just a random official. Shamrock left. So Is it? Bret Hart and Ken Shamrock square up to each other because basically Bret won't stop. Um, yeah. And then Shamrock just slams into the floor and goes, come on then, and looks absolutely All fucking right. mental as Shamrock does. Um, and then they both leave the ring. You actually see out of the corner of the shot as um, Austin sits up, you see Ken Shamrock leave. And then Shit, another, no, another official comes in to try and help Austin, and Austin just stuns him for no reason. You know, get yeah. the fuck out of my way! I don't need your help. And you know, he then leaves to thunderous, thunderous chance of Austin. And mm. there's many, many people that think that this is the 
the unofficial start of the Attitude Era. Um, yeah. And I think, I think it's a you know it's a good yardstick to use. It's definitely the start of Steve Austin, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, mm. I think this was as perfect a match as you were ever going to see. Um, and you know, for it to happen is, in nineteen ninety seven, incredible. Is this perhaps the last classic match? Um, when's Canadian? Well, no, because Canadian Stampede was a was a ten man tag, wasn't it? Um, I mean, if you're <laughs> iconic, I mean, you know, you've got the Montreal screw job. I don't know if that counts as a classic. I, I wouldn't say that's classic. Um, I wouldn't but, sit down on an afternoon to watch and go, you know what, I'm going to watch the Montreal screw job. There's nothing. To be fair, there's actually nothing really from WWE, WCW that he did. No. Really? No. Nothing at all. I'm just going to see if he's on the card at SummerSlam, because I don't think he is. Oh, hang on. He, yes, he had a match with The Undertaker. Um, he actually oh, yeah, regained the championship, of course. No, yeah, because that's how he set up a feud with Sean, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, but no, that's how Taker set up his feud with Sean. Well, Shawn Michaels goes to um, superkick Brett, Hit. misses and hits Taker, doesn't he? Wasn't it with oh, a chair? It doesn't really matter. We we we've we went off track. <laughs> Even so, I think... I mean, I'm going to give this 10 stars. Oh, it's a 10. Yeah, 10. <laughs> um, I, d- I don't think either of us can... You know, or any of us can disagree that this is an iconic match. Garth tried to push for 11. Garth did try to push for 11, and we had to put him down. Not not literally. Not like, you know, we didn't have to take him round the back and shoot him in the head. Well, he's, he's not that old yet. Not that old. <laughs> <laughs> right, shall we? Uh, shall we move on quickly before uh, before things degrade even further? Spiral out of control. Exactly. Um, so my match, um, I chose uh, the match between Macho Man Randy Savage and Ric Flair for the WWF World Championship. Uh, this was from WrestleMania Eight uh, on April fifth, nineteen ninety two, at the Hoosier Dome in front of sixty two thousand people. Obviously, Ric Flair had just come off the back of winning. Um, the belt at one of, you know, one of, if not the best Royal Rumble match. Um, you look at the star power in that match and the amount of people that were in it, I think you're going to find, you know, apart from maybe 2001, it's it's difficult to find a Royal Rumble match um, and I as good as that. Mm, I, 2008 is, is good, um, but... Also 2010. No, no, I don't think they hold a candle to 1992, <laughs> in all seriousness. Um, obviously then he'd started a feud with Macho Man Randy Savage and sort of gone after Miss Elizabeth saying before she knew so you, good. she knew me. Um, it just, just classic Ric Flair being a bell end heel. Um, and that sort of fed into this match. Now, obviously it was not only a match for the WWF World Heavyweight Championship. It was a, it was a blood feud and it was possibly the hottest feud going into Mania 8. And that means of course that it goes on in the middle of the card. Um, <laughs> not only was it not the main event, it also wasn't the semi-main event. Um, after this, after this match, um, which was the longest on the card at 18 minutes and four seconds, after this match, we had classics uh, like Tatanka defeating Rick Martel. Brilliant. Uh, we had the WWF Tag Team Championship match between the Natural Disasters and Money Inc. Uh, we had Owen Hart defeating Skinner. Skinner. Yep, that was the semi-main event. Right, here's the thing. It's because Hulk Hogan's a cunt. 
And <laughs> hey, what he didn't—he didn't want Macho Man to be in the main event, but he also didn't want Macho Man to steal the show like he did last year against Warrior. So he wanted like two matches between them. So well, two or three matches between them, like shite matches, so they can actually get hyped for Hogan, which is stupid because in reality. Hulkamania is merely a grain of sand in the Sahara Desert that is match of madness. Wise words, young Chris. Wise words. <laughs> and yes, it is every week. Um, but yes, <laughs> the main event of this show was Hulk Hogan defeating not Psycho Sid, but Sid Justice. Sid Justice. Uh, one, of, one of Psycho Sid's many pseudonyms. Um, this was... It just it boggled the mind the fact that not only was Savage and Flair not the main event, but the fact that the main event itself was. I mean, Dave Meltzer gave it minus two stars, which gives you. I mean, the entire thing was fucked up because Papa Shango missed his bloody cue, so which meant that Sid Justice had to kick out of the leg drop, which no one does. And then there was some bullshit with Harvey Whippleman. Then the Ultimate Warrior arrived for no reason. Um, oh it my was, god! I remember watching that and I. Popped like a motherfucker. No, I was about to think you're turning gaff on right now. <laughs> I I was two at this point, so I didn't care about the ultimate warrior. I wasn't even a sperm. Yeah, they wow, that's a lovely image to have in my head. <laughs> um anyway, so <laughs> this match was fifth on the card. Um Flair came out first, which made no sense. Um, he was the champion. He came out, Mr. Perfect. Um, executive Randy's... consultant, Mr. Perfect. Executive <laughs> consultant, Mr. Perfect. Um, We're in Garth's era here. And then, obviously, Randy Savage came out afterwards, resplendent Fucking in that pop. gold. Yeah, in that gold ring attire. The pop he gets is absolutely enormous. Rightly so, because the man's an absolute fucking god. And we get the best of both men here. We start with a match that's just amateur wrestling. Then we get into basically what is turning into, you know, some manner of street fight. And then we get, you know, the interference at the end, which unfortunately brings a little bit of an abrupt end to what was otherwise going to be, you know, an incredible match. Um, it's it's telling here that even though Flair's offense really can boil down to chops <laughs> and atomic drops... I think I think they're the two things he performed yeah. in this match, um, and also begging not to be hurt. Begging not to be hurt. Do you know what though? I could watch both of these men sell forever. The thing is, with Ric Flair, that's the thing. I actually, so I think I heard, no, it was Endo Mori really enough talking about it, where Ric Flair's the best of all time because he can have a class in match doing next to nothing. Like, and he he will he, he will sell. Go, please don't hurt me. Knock him in the balls. Roll him up a figure for him for the win, and then the next night go well. Uh, instead of playing it off like the coward he was, just go. I destroyed that man, and he won't be here tonight because yeah. I destroyed him. Type thing. He, he's just the best, one of the best heels ever. Like he's a truly timeless heel. Yeah. You say that. Who was supposed to be the heel in this match? Are we assuming think, well, that Ric Flair was supposed to be the heel? Yeah. Okay, because at no point, and Earl Hebner was the referee here, and. There was a lot of eye rakes from everyone, and it was never picked up in full view Why? of the referee. Um, Savage, Savage had a hold of uh, Flair's nose at one point. Yep, literally yanking him from. Um, well, it's not the only thing Randy Savage had a hold of. Um, yeah. 
there's a point where Ric Flair attempts to come off the top rope. Savage sort of gorilla presses him off the rope and he has all kinds of flair junk in his hand. I'm not joking. It's <laughs> it's the most uncomfortable hold I think I've ever seen on a man. Um, but there was, you know, not only did Earl Hebner miss this, but there's a moment where Mr. Perfect is attempting to drag Ric Flair to the ropes. Um, and Earl Hebner... Instead of just saying, don't do that, full-on karate kicks Mr. Perfect off the it's fucking so... term, off the off the apron. It was like, you are not allowed to do that. <laughs> in, in, in both kayfabe and reality, I'll have no shite there. But, I mean, then on top of that, he watches. There's a pinfall that's broken up as Savage comes off the top rope, hits the elbow drop. You'd think he's going to win. Um... <laughs> Perfect drags Savage out, and then Hebner, having seen this happen, instead of going to Mr. Perfect, right, well, that's a DQ, which it should be because it's interference, he then attempts to stop Randy Savage attacking Mr. Perfect. <laughs> so what are you doing, Hebner? Hebner's like, I want a piece of that. So you know what it's like? It's like, you doing? You, it's like when you used to play, like, um, when they had mixed matches in 2K. And you'd accidentally hit the rope, accidentally hit the person's partner and get DQ'd. It's like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean... I'll tell you what, like, as much as much as this match is really good, Gorilla, it's Monsoon, not all and, Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan make this, like, twice as good as it should ever be. I was Bobby Heenan say... is fucking magic on the Reich, honestly. Uh, he is. You're I right. was going to say, this was made by the commentary and the and a little bit of the crowd it wasn't really I mean because like, the, the bulk of the match wasn't all by kiss I'm well, sorry the, the, the crowd is so loud and this is what this is one of the things that I noticed between all the pay-per-views on wrestling and now the commentators are actually having to shout to hear each other and it makes it much more it makes the crowd seem louder whereas now they're obviously perfectly clear and they just turn the crowd down if they need to but there's just so much good stuff it's like Heenan's obviously playing like ultimate color commentary, um, and he's pulling stuff like um, what was it? he says? Uh, uh, Ric Flair walked through twenty nine other guys to win the title, not like the Punk Savage. Oh yeah, he is fully behind Ric Flair. Fully it's behind like, Ric Flair. It's, it's when he keeps shouting, "Come on, Rick, show me the pictures." <laughs> <laughs> um, I I agree with you. I think the. I mean, Heenan and Monsoon were just such a classic combination. Um, it's It was quite a harrowing moment when I realised that literally out of everyone that was in this match, you know, including Miss Elizabeth, there's only Flair and Hebner that are left. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is dead. <laughs> and All it's like, fucking survive, oh, holy Hebner. shit. I know. It's, it's, quite, it's quite a scary moment when you think, you know, yeah, it's a long time ago, but it was only 17 years ago. And it's not as bad as WrestleMania Seven. I think basically everyone in every match, apart from the main event, is dead. Yeah, it's it's not nice. It's not nice. Um, but this match, do you know what, Chris? You, I think you're right. The first this match went eighteen minutes and four seconds, and the first seven eight minutes is Ric Flair chopping and launching Savage into the corner. That that's pretty yeah. much the whole basis of this match. Um, Eventually, however, Savage gets his win back. And once Savage gets his win back and you've got, you know, 
Um, Savage coming off the top turnbuckle, hitting the double axe handle, the worst blade job or the worst hidden blade job in the history <laughs> of the world um, from Ric Flair. Flair. Blades over, he blades over time. How can he not hide? It was, it was you, you so bad. You can always bad. tell a point in a... They got fined $100,000 for that. They did. They did. Um, which is why I thought it played quite nicely into what we were talking about with, uh, with Brett and Steve Austin. Yeah. <laughs> um, the fact that they got fined. And to be honest, I'm not surprised because everybody saw that. It was the, the is, worst nowadays, hidden. Nowadays, because of all these blade jobs, Flair's forehead is just fucking disgusting. <laughs> is it like, as bad as Devon Dudley's? Right, no, but Flair wasn't in ECW. That's so. true, that's true. It's not as bad as Dusty's either. No, oh, Dusty. Look, Abdullah oh. the Butcher, Jesus Christ. No, but to be fair, that's Abdullah the fucking Butcher. Tri- Triple H is pretty bad, to be fair. But that's just because he's old. Yeah. <laughs> His face <laughs> looks like... Stout. No, it's it's because even his head can't have a has to have a six pack. I I love Triple H. I love him, but his face is a testicle. Um, <laughs> I mean, they, he should have kept the hair. Yeah, that's yeah, one hundred percent. We get to the point where Savage is the person on top, and this is where the match really kicks on. The pace picks up. You've got the suplex on the outside, which Flair sells brilliantly. There's a moment where Flair takes a move and then sort of wanders around the outside of the ring <laughs> and then just collapses, and it's brilliant. His selling yeah. is just second to none. The one Absolutely. thing that sort of spoilt it for me was that we had two separate moments where Mr. Perfect interfered, and neither of them led to the finish. If you're going to have a moment where Perfect interferes, then have it impact the finish. It didn't yeah. impact the finish. I mean, we had the moment where he passed Ric Flair the knuckle dusters, that didn't lead to the finish. We had the moment where he dragged Randy Savage out of the um, out of the what's it? That didn't lead to the finish. We then had the moment where Savage is lying in the ropes. Um, Perfect hits him with the chair. That doesn't lead to the finish. So, in that respect, it's a case of right, just have one of them and have it lead to the finish, because otherwise yeah. it's sort of over the top, and that sort of took me out of the match towards the end. Did anyone else yeah. agree? Or... Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, there's the part where um, um, Ric Flair had him in the figure four and Perfect was doing the classic where they give them leverage on the rope. Yeah. Which obviously does nothing, but you like because so because it had been that long since I'd seen this match, I was thinking, does Savage win this by DQ? I couldn't I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember but, uh, this match. But yeah, like... Uh, it seemed quite sort of ineffectual the fact he was there. <laughs> it did really. Um, we then uh, had we then had like sorry. a little cameo from Miss Elizabeth who came down. So it took six men to stop her entering Coon, the ring, um, including Shane, including a little cameo from Mister Shane McMahon, um, looking extremely young with his fluffy hair. Um, but yeah, she she didn't really provide anything until the very very end. Um, Savage eventually gets the win with a roll up of all things. Um, after everything that's happened, and Ric Flair then plants a kiss on Miss Elizabeth and is <laughs> beaten to kingdom come to start off with by Savage, and then Flair and Perfect get the upper hand, and that sort of leads to the end. So um, it ends and no one has heat. <laughs> it, well, it's either no one has heat or everyone has heat. Um, we then had... I don't know if any of you watched this, watched the Savage interview afterwards. It's no, I'm, I'm a... Um, He's just, he's full on psycho savage. It's brilliant. He's so intense to the point where even Elizabeth is a little bit scared behind him. Um, And he rips his shirt and says, I'm going to get, you know, I've taken a little piece of you today, Ric Flair. I'm going to take everything off you. 
He rips his shirt. Oh God, Hulk Hogan must be in the background. I think fucking gimmick, brother. Yeah, uh, yeah, gimmick infringement, everything. Um, I thoroughly, I, I did enjoy this match, apart from the few, you know, sort of qualms I had towards the end of it, you know, regarding the interference and things. I still really enjoyed this match. Yeah, you know, I think most, yeah. thing is, most of my enjoyment of this match was just the players involved more than the match itself. Yeah, I, I, I've said already in this uh, podcast that I could watch Ric Flair and Randy Savage sell between them for the rest of my life. I, that wouldn't <laughs> bother me. Um, I think a lot of the but a lot of the good points doesn't really negate. Like we spent most of this talking about the bad points because it was mostly bad points. It's just the good bits are so good, it's so cloudy before you go back to watch it. Yeah. Um, do you know what though? I'd still give it an eight. I'd give I'd give it a seven. I've gone eight just for the actual the match and everything around it, the atmosphere, the, the commentary, everything. It had the big match feel. Yeah. Um. And yeah, you're right. Yeah, it should have been the main event. It should. It should have been the main event. Um. But, uh, nevertheless, it wasn't, unfortunately. Um. But said justice does. Or psycho said, has the really weird honor of being the main event. He's only been on two WrestleMania cards, and he's been in the main event of both. So fair play to him. He gets pushed everywhere he goes, and it's weird because he's shy. He's he's not he's the big. best. Yeah, Vince McMahon likes big sweaty men. Um, <laughs> but ladies and gentlemen, we've already reneged on our promise of keeping it between thirty and forty minutes because we've now been going forty-four minutes. Um, but it's fine. It's fine. We're going to leave it there. Um, the last thing we're going to do very very quickly is we're going to give the match that we're going to look at next week on the Wrestling Classic. So very very quickly, lads. Garth, what have you chosen? I've gone for Rock versus Austin, um, the No Holds Barred match at WrestleMania 17. Excellent match, Chris. No, I had one and I changed my mind. I'm going Lesnar and Reigns in 31. <laughs> you dick. <laughs> That's a good match. I have things to say about that match. I think it's an underrated match. Okay, fine. And I am going for something different than what I said originally as well. I am going for Savage and Hogan from WrestleMania 5. Wow. So, another Savage match. Fight me. Um, That's what we're going with. So, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Those are the matches that we are going to look at next week. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow with our usual form podcast. Please come and join us. You can find us on the usual podcast platforms. um, iTunes, Podcast Addict, CastBox, Podbean. Find us anywhere. We are there. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter at at Podmania. You can find us on YouTube and Instagram at at RealPodmania. You can follow Chris at... CandyChris97. Worst Twitter handle (laughs) ever. Is it, though? You can find Garth at... Drummer Jackson. And you can find me at at RealRobGoodwin. Thank you so much for listening, guys. And we'll talk to you guys again soon. You've been listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Podmania, Facebook at Podmania Podcasts, and YouTube and Instagram at RealPodmania. And check out the website, podmania.co.uk. Until next time, wrestling fans. Podmania.